The covenant of Abraham holds immense significance to our faith. It represents God's promise to bless all nations through Abraham's descendants, ultimately fulfilled in Yeshua. It establishes a foundation for salvation, highlighting faith as the main element. It underscores God's faithfulness and serves as a reminder of His redemptive plan for all humanity. The following is part four of six parts in this teaching series. Oh, welcome back. And uh, you're still here, so that's a good sign. It means you want to know more. You're like, what is this guy talking about? I don't understand. You will. Because we're going to see how faith, covenant, and Torah work together. We're going to see how all these things apply and what the Word itself has to say about these things. Remember, faith doesn't just mean I believe something. To believe something means you act in that belief. And that's what we have to learn. The covenant was established. Then the Torah was written on Mount Sinai. The covenant preexisted the writing of the Torah. But is that when Torah came to be? Hmm. No. No, Torah was. Genesis 26 says that Abraham walked in the Torah. I'll show you that later. So there's no, uh, nothing missing there. It all works together. So why did the Torah have to be a part of the covenant anyway? Because if the covenant was given to Abraham, then why in the world, if it was just all about faith and just doing whatever you want to do, as long as you have faith, you're okay? Hmm. Why was the Torah given to people who were just supposed to walk in faith anyway? What is the Torah for? That's what we're going to talk about. Remember, the circumcision, the sign of the covenant, that wasn't the covenant. That was a sign of the covenant. That's what had to be done. So why the Torah? Remember, Torah was added so that they could see what sin was. Torah Torah was not added to create sin, but Torah was added to reveal sin sin. And so why would we have to know what sin is if we just walk in the faith of Abraham? Because you have to define what the faith of Abraham was, what the covenant that was given to Abraham was. You have to define these things. And what is sin? Sin is what? Transgression of the Torah. But Abraham walked in faith. Yes, that's, again, this is one of those things that go round and round. That's why I'm talking to you this way, because that's how the argument goes. Guys, there's no contradiction. It works together. I'm going to show you. Romans 3.28 says, again, we covered this, is God a God of the Jews only, or is he a God of the Gentiles as well? And that, was he given all these things, the covenants, the promises, the blessings, just to hold for themselves? Or was it done so that the Gentiles could be a partaker of faith, be a partaker of the covenants. Remember, God is one. There is not a separate God for the Jews and a separate God for the Gentiles. That was a big problem in Acts chapter 15. We'll cover that later. But this was not something where God was trying to create a split personality for himself. He did not say, I'm going to be God of the Jews, and I'm going to be God of the Gentiles, but you're both going to come to me in different ways. God doesn't work that way. Not from what we've seen in the Scripture. But what we have seen is that God would consider the Gentiles 
to come into a position of faith, he would consider them righteous. Hmm. So what does that mean? How would he consider them righteous? Because of faith. So what do you have faith in? You have faith in faith? You have faith just because you said it, it's going to happen? Or do you have faith because of the word that's been established? See, a lot of people have misled faith. They have faith in something just because they believe it, just because they say it. The question is, what if just things that they say doesn't line up with the scripture? Do they have faith in the scripture and the God that gave it? Or do they have faith in just whatever they want? It's misguided, at the very least. And at the most, it's witchcraft. So what do we do with these things? We have faith in God. We have faith in His covenants. We have faith in His promises. Faith in all the things that He has established with us. Because we've learned God did not come as Yeshua in the flesh to do away with something He established. Matthew 5, 17 to 19 tells us, Do not think that I have come to do away with the Torah or the prophets. Boy, this has been so misunderstood. And, and many people do a lot better job than I can in just defining this scripture and talking about it. But it needs to be said. He says, I have not come to do away with the Torah or the prophets. I have not come to do away, but to fulfill it. What does fulfill mean? Fulfill doesn't mean to abolish it. It doesn't mean, okay, that's done. Let's, what's, what's next on the checklist? doesn't work that way. I mean, all of you went to school. You fulfilled the requirements for your schooling. You received a diploma. Uh, now that you graduate, you forget everything that you've known. Well, <laughs> I guess some of us do. But we, we take what we've been given and we walk in that and we learn to grow in what we've been given and established because that's how life is. And that's what we need to learn. That's how life is. We take the Torah, the prophets, the writings, all of these things that we've been given, we establish these things, we write them on our hearts, you circumcise the hearts, we write them in our hearts so that we can walk in these things. I mean, Yeshua himself says, I have not come to do away, but come to fulfill. And then he says, for whoever teaches men to disobey, even the least of these mitzvot shall be least in the kingdom. But whoever teaches and does them will be called great in the kingdom. That, to me, says that they still carry some weight. Does that sound like something that's been done away with if they still has relevance and place of being in the kingdom? Doesn't make sense, does it? Again, back to Galatians 3. When God establishes something, He keeps it. Galatians 3, 8. So the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, how? Through faith. In what? Because of the covenant of Abraham. Because God told Abraham, I'm going to bless all nations by you. All of these things are going to be done because you. Wow. But Abraham is not the Messiah. I agree. But the Messiah kept the covenant with Abraham. Hebrews 4.2 says, For unto us the gospel was preached as well as to them, but the word that was preached to them did not do them any good because they did not receive it in faith. Again, we addressed earlier, is there a place in our life where the Word of God doesn't do anything for us? Where the Word of God does not benefit us at all? That's a scary place to be. 
But there's many people out there and li- just living their lives who, don't not, who do not receive the word in faith, and they don't receive any of the blessings of it either. Scripture is just a history book, and that's all they get out of it. But when you receive the word in faith, you realize that it's alive, and it is working in you and for you and for you on your behalf. What do we learn at this? Well, again, faith, covenant, and blessings. So, how does Torah fit in that? Hmm. Well, in order to understand all those things, in order to understand covenant and blessings and the Torah and all of that, the gospel, remember gospel, good news, the gospel, we need to understand sin. What is sin? Transgressing covenant? How do you transgress the covenant? Sin is violating the Torah. Well, now you're just speaking silliness, right? No. No, it's in the scripture. First John. First John 3, 4 through 5 says, Everyone who keeps sinning is violating Torah. Indeed, sin is violating the Torah. See, people will say that the Messiah came and there was no sin in him. I agree. I have to agree. It's true. But there is no sin in the Messiah. But when you understand that John said sin is violation of the Torah, and then when you say that our Messiah never sinned, we can say he never violated the Torah. Because if he would have violated the Torah even once, it would have been considered sin, and he never sinned. What does that have to do with covenant? Because he had to be perfect and sinless to be that offering for us so that he could allow that covenant to come on any who come to faith and all who believe. You know, throughout history, all the prophets, all the writings, all these things had one underlying message. What was that message? Repent. What is repent? Repent is to return. The question is, Return to what? (laughs) Return to something that is irrelevant for you? Return to something that you don't need? Return to something that was just for some other people? It doesn't make sense. But yet, all the prophets, even John the Baptist, preached repent. See, we think repent just means to ask for forgiveness. No, no. See, the Hebrew for repent is teshuva. It is from the Hebrew word shuv. Okay, teshuv means, uh, is the word it means to repent. But when you look at this word, it literally means to push, to be secured to the house. It literally means to turn around, to push, and to go back home, to be secured in the house. That's something that's interesting, to go back home. Wow. To go back to what we've been given. To go back to the house of God. To go back to the household of Abraham. Wow. What about Yeshua? Did he call all men to repent? Well, yeah, he called all men to repent, and he said, all will come to me. Right? Well, yeah, but... Yeshua said he comes to bring people to the Father. 
And see, that's something else. He came to bring the people to the Father. Yeshua did not come, and he did not just flat out say, I come to impart to you the covenant of Abraham. But he did say, I've come to the lost sheep. Lost sheep of what? Why are they lost from? What were they given to that they're now lost? Hmm, they've strayed. And see, they, they need to come back home. They need to be partakers of the covenants and partakers of the promises of the things that they've forgotten. Yeshua called men to repent. He called men to return. To repent means to return. But return to what? Not to return to something brand new that you don't know what it is. He called them to repent and to return. He didn't say to repent and don't worry about all these other things. He told them to to repent and return. Have a heart of faith. To walk in the faith that you've been given. To walk in the life that you've been given. To walk in the covenants and the promises and the blessings that are already existing for you. Luke 24 says, So these are the words I spoke to you about being fulfilled in you, that all the things must be filled, having been written where? In the Torah of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their mind to understand what? the scriptures. What we see is that Yeshua, well, he was, he, here he is, he's opening up and revealing himself. Scripture says that he's opening up and revealing two men, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings concerning himself. And he opened up their hearts and their minds to understand the scriptures. And again, where you see the word Scripture in Scripture, what does it mean? It means the the, the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. John 5, 46 says, For if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. But if you don't believe Moses, how can you believe me? That's a pretty amazing statement, really. Because he says, if you believed Moses you would believe me. So the question is, this works both ways here. He says it both ways. If you don't believe Moses, you won't believe me. But then he says, how can you believe me if you don't believe Moses? Wow. Think about it that way, huh? If we believe what was written in the Torah about the Messiah, then when the Messiah came, Yeshua came, then we can believe what he says because Moses wrote of him. But when Yeshua spoke, he did not contradict what Moses wrote. Because everything Moses wrote was about him. These were not two separate revelations. It was a revelation of who he was and how he was going to walk, how he was going to come. So all these things, what do we what do we learn about this? What is the Torah? Well, the definition of Torah is to teach or to instruct. To point out, that's what the Torah was. The Torah was not necessarily the covenant. The Torah was given because of covenant. Hmm. It was showing us a way to walk. What does Scripture have to say about the Torah and how that works with faith? Well, let's look at it. Deuteronomy 30, 11 says, For this commandment which I command you this day is not hidden from you, or it is not far off. Why? Verse 14. On the contrary, the word is what? Very close to you. It's in your heart. 
Why? So you can do it. You're supposed to walk in the Word. It's supposed to be in your heart so that it can be established for you. What else? What is the Torah? Psalms 19, 7 and 9 says, The Torah of Yahweh is perfect. Well, if the Torah of Yahweh is perfect, why would it have to go away? If it's perfect. But then it says, it is perfect converting the soul. Scripture also says that the Torah of God is perfect restoring the inner man. We need inner healing today? I agree. How do we get it? By the pureness of the Word of God. Read with me. Psalms 19.7 The Torah of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making the simple wise. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of Yahweh are clear, giving light to the eyes. And the fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true, and they are righteous altogether. What else? Psalm 40, verses, verse 8 through 11 says, I delight to do your will, O my Elohim. Your Torah is, writ- is written where? In my inmost soul. I have announced righteousness in the great assembly. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Yahweh, you know. I have not concealed your righteousness in my heart, but I speak your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not hidden your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Yahweh. Let your loving kindness and your truth always watch over me. Notice how the loving kindness and the truth does not contradict the Word of God, the Torah. There's no contradiction there. Psalm 94, 12 says, Blessed is the man you chasten, O Yah. You teach him out of where? Your Torah. Psalm 119, 1 says, Blessed are the upright and the way who walk in what? Just faith? See, we need faith to walk, but we, and we walk in what? In the Torah. Blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Torah. Psalm 119.33 says, Yahweh, teach me the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Make me understand, and I will keep your what? Torah, and I will observe it with my whole heart. Psalm 119.142 says, your righteousness is forever, and your Torah is truth. If righteousness is forever and Torah is truth, don't they work together? Psalm 119, 150. The pursuers of mischief draw near. They are far from your Torah. And you're going to like this one. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It's amazing how all that works together, isn't it? Do we want great peace in our life? How do we have great peace in our life? I'm telling you, fall in love with the Word of God. Because when you fall in love with the Word of God, that's how you have peace. That's how you have life. That's how you have all the things that the Father has been wanting to give you all along. Proverbs 28.9 tells us, He that turns his ears away from hearing the Torah, even his prayer is an abomination. Now think about this for a second. What does it mean to turn your ear away from the Torah? Does it just mean... Oh, I just don't have to listen to it. What does it mean to hear? It's the word Shema. It means to hear with the intent of obedience. So 
So he who turns his ear away from the Torah, he who turns his ear away from listening to the word of God, even his prayer is an abomination. Even what we consider one of the most precious, holy, intimate things we can give God is just that conversation and that prayer and pouring ourselves out to him is an abomination. Look at it this way. If we don't care what God says, why do we expect him to care about what we say? I mean, he does, but hmm, is what we're giving him holy? If we say, if we're pouring out our heart to him, but at the same time we're pouring out our heart to him, we're not wanting to listen to what he says? Doesn't Proverbs 29 say where there is no vision, what happens to the people? They perish. Where's that vision come from? Happy is he who keeps the Torah. Wow. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 51, 4 says, Hear me, my people, give ear to me, my nation, for Torah shall go out from me, and my justice will make rest as light to peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation went out, and my arm shall judge people. Coastlands shall wait on me, and they shall hope on my arm. Lift your eyes to the heavens and look to the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, and the earth shall wear out like a garment, and those living in it will die in the same way. But my Yeshua, my salvation, shall be forever, and my righteousness Righteousness shall not be broken. Now, remember how that started, right? Now, verse 7 tells us what about the Torah going forth and the salvation and the righteousness and and how all these things work together? Well, look at this. Verse 7. Hear me, those knowing righteousness, the people of my Torah in their heart. Do not fear the reproach of man and do not be bowed from their blaspheming. He is saying, do not fear. Fear, man, do not fear these things. Those who are the righteous, those who know righteousness. How do we know righteousness? And it says, those with my Torah in their heart. How do we walk with the Torah in our heart? We have to circumcise our heart because we get rid of the things that is not the word. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for for lack of knowledge. How many of us know that scripture? But how many of us only know it half quoted? My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. But then it says, because you have rejected knowledge, what does it mean? Because you have rejected Torah. I will also forget your children. That's amazing. Because he says, because you have rejected the Torah, because you have renounced the Torah, then your children are the ones going to pay the price for it? Hosea 8.12 says, I write so many things from my Torah, yet... The people consider them foreign. Why are the things of God, the word of God, considered foreign? Because we don't know it. Because we don't know what it says. Because we're told you don't need it. It's not for you. You don't need the word of God. All you need is faith. But yet we see that faith means accepting the word of God and receiving the word of God and walking in the word of God. John 1, 45, so Philip finds Nathanael and says to him, we have found him, the one of whom Moses wrote, Acts 24, 14. But I confess unto you that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing the things which are written in the law and the prophets. Who's speaking there? Well, that's Paul. Romans 7, 12 says the Torah is what? Holy. The, the commandment is holy. It is just. It is good. 
Romans 7.14. We know that the Torah is of the Spirit. Romans 7.16. If I'm doing what I don't want to do, I'm agreeing Torah is what? Good. Romans 7.22. In my inner self, I completely agree with God's Torah. Romans 8.2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Wait a minute. The law of the Spirit of life? The law of sin and death? Is there more involved here? Yes. Is there more? Yes. The law of life and liberty. Torah is good, providing you use it what it was given for. It is life if you walk in it in life. It is faith if you're walking in faith. It is good. Look at this. 1 Timothy 1.8. We know that the law is good if a man use it. How? Lawfully. Romans 10.4. For Messiah is the goal of the Torah for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now, we've often heard it said this way. For Christ is the end of the law. See? Hmm. That word end does not mean to go away. It means goal. So, if the Torah is to bring you to the Messiah, remember, the Torah was given after the covenant was established. And it was to show the people how to walk in the things that God established. And so when Yeshua came, what did he teach? What did he declare? What did he preach? What did he say? What did he have to do with this? Yeshua declared and taught the same things that Moses did. Well, that just can't be. Well, look at this. John 1.17 says, The law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And that's often used to say, see, the law is done away with. So how do you reconcile this statement? How does this work together? And what does this have to do with, a, with Abraham and the covenant? Remember, these all work together. The covenant, the established promises of God is what Yeshua came for you to be a partaker of. So in the covenant that God gave to Abraham was there grace and truth. What is grace and truth? Hmm. We'll discuss that next time. Hang around.